This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. To stay in the know about everything happening at Fratton Park, including the latest news, analysis and transfer updates, take out an online Pompey subscription with the Portsmouth News today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Our offer starts at less than £1 a week. You'll get unlimited online access to award-winning reporting with fewer ads and free access to our digital edition and mobile app. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Will Rooney and today I'm joined by Head of Sport Mark McMahon and Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen. In today's episode, we'll be discussing Pompey's 1-1 draw of Oxford United on Tuesday night. Should Kenny Jackett have used his substitutes quicker and should he have used more of them after making only a possible two of five changes? After the lockdown period, Portsmouth has been placed in Tier 2 restrictions, which means up to 2,000 fans can finally return to Fratton Park after more than an eight-month absence. We'll be discussing just how much of an impact they can make on Kenny Jackett's side. And we also look at if Pompey's players who are out of contract in the summer could be poached in January by championship clubs who will be able to offer bigger wages and in the League One salary cap. Um, we've got Neil and, and Will. Um, thank you, lads, for joining us. Um, where do we start? Start with Oxford. Well, good point in the end or was something that Pompey were regretting at the final whistle? Um, I think overall Pompey probably did shade it. There's a couple of ways I think you can look at the results. Obviously, Oxford have had a poor start to the season after being beaten in the in the playoff final last last campaign. They're about 19th in the table. They haven't lost all that many players, so for me they still probably are a strong strong size on a whole. And I think that their league position is full. They'll definitely be in the top ten by the time that the season ends. At least you think they're going to pick up eventually, but. You look at some moments that Pompey had in the first half, it was fairly even before Sean Raggett opened the score and then John Marquez misses a big chance. Uh, Pompey could have had uh, Elliot, Elliot Moore sent off when he brought down Ellis Harrison. If those go in Pompey's favour at half-time, Pompey probably got the, the game wrapped up. They come out the second half, they're on top, but they don't create too many goal-scoring chances. And then the subs change things for Oxford and Oxford get themselves back into it. Overall, as I say, I think Pompey did shade it and a couple of people have said it. Now, if, if Pompey want to be challenging for top two this season instead of going into the lottery of the playoffs again, they've got to get, they've got to be finding ways to, to win those sort of games at home rather than settling for a point. If it's away from home and you get a point, maybe it, it's not as bad, but when they're dominant, for, especially in the second half and decisions don't go away, maybe they, they do need the three points there and it could prove crucial come May time. Neil, did Pompey miss a trick? Bearing in mind, I know well said, players are still the same. They're maybe in a false position. But at the same time too, Pompey were in great run of form. Near top of the league. Oxford, 19th before kickoff. Was there a chance missed there to actually ram home the message that, yeah, we can forget about that playoff game? Yeah, with Pompey, you always felt they needed that second goal to settle the game. And um, uh, I thought Pompey were, were in control. They're incredibly comfortable. It looked like that Oxford were nowhere near in it, were they? Oxford hadn't even had a shot on target um, in the opening hour. And then on the 62 minutes, they made the three changes, didn't they? 
Okay. Uh, which Robinson had to do. When you, you know, but some fans say it's a tactical masterstroke or whatever, but his team were losing 1 0, not in the game, uh, in danger of falling further behind, and he has to do something. And because he's got five subs, he, could th- he threw three at once, didn't he? And, and that gave them energy. It pepped them up completely, didn't it? And they looked a different side. Um, uh, one of the subs, uh, was it McGain? I don't know how it's pronounced, but uh, his first touch was a stunning save from McGilvery. And then they uh, then they scored, didn't they, with their second shot on target? Um, which was a penalty, of course. So Pompey were incredibly in control, not threatened whatsoever. Oxford weren't even getting in the box. Um, and then the subs changed the game. So uh, I saw some criticism about Pompey sitting back. Well, yeah, they should. They, they, they needed that second goal. But they were, they were just dominant. Completely, completely dominant. And at that stage, after an hour, why would Jacket change it if you're dominating the game? Now, you can criticise him for not bringing on subs after they brought their subs on. But, but Pompey were ruling it. There weren't even nothing had happened. McGilvery hadn't touched the ball until the sixty-second minute of that game. Well, there's been a bit of criticism for Jagger, and I know we shouldn't really criticise Burnham and Pompey's run of late. But he's, he's unfortunately in one of those positions where he can he can never do right sometimes. But obviously, Oxford changed the game with their three substitutions. Pompey brought on Bryn Morris, which again is not necessarily a positive move. Ryan Williams wasn't brought on till later on. Is there were fans right to maybe get on his back for those substitutions? Yeah, I mean, in recent games at Plymouth and uh, a crew, he's changed. He's made changes at half times, didn't he? And they both uh, reaped the rewards uh, at Plymouth and, and crew, even though he changed his full button and they were two 0 up already. But for me, yeah, obviously when when Oxford changed the game and they got they got on top, then you're looking for for Jacker to counter that then and maybe look to make changes himself. For me, Cannon, he was still energetic. He was still getting on to knockdowns. Okay, maybe phased a little bit, but, but you know the the way he plays in his tense, he always will. But it wasn't like he was completely out the game. I thought he was still, still lively in there. And when you bring on Bryn Morris, who's effectively a defensive midfielder, you've got two defensive midfielders in in Naylor and Morris there. Um, Jack had said after the game, I think he said that he, he thought he was getting a little bit overran, and as Neil said, that McGuane was just playing in between the lines. So. I could understand in a way why he brought him on, but I would have preferred to have seen Ryan Williams come on earlier. Um, I thought he did quite well when he came on. He was quite energetic, but he left it too late to come on with what eight minutes to go. So it just left it too late, and then there was an argument to say that Harrison for for all his his work rate and his energy put in, he, he, there just wasn't enough quality there. Um, on Tuesday night, he didn't do enough. He didn't win enough. He didn't create enough by the chance he, he set up for Marquez, even though I thought it was a, a shot he trotted across across goal, goal, I must admit. So you could have maybe brought a wheeler on. and Because and, Kenny Jackett, let's face it, he brought a wheeler on signs and for his pace, being able to make an impact in games late on, sort of like against Oxford, where you can bring on something different, someone to stretch the game, someone to get in behind. And a Again, was an unused sub, and I'm not saying that he would have come on and made a, a profound difference, but it was just been something different, something to give the Oxford defence a little bit more to think about, rather than having Marcus and Harrison, who did nullify for most of the game, effectively. Neil, two questions here from people you're interacting with us on Facebook. Um, Nick Simister, again, something Will's already touched on, but why Cannon off for Morris? And then Ian Thompson has gotten touched saying a soft penalty as well. 
Yeah, we, we it wasn't quite clear to us at the time because we don't get replays. Um, but also, the, there weren't that many complaints from the Pompey players when it was given. I mean, obviously, Jack Watmore was destroyed. You could see him with hands on his heads. I think he squatted down as well, and he was really annoyed about it. Um, and it was only those that, from watching at home that could see the replays that cast any doubt. But again, I've seen on social media, some said it was a pen, some said it wasn't. So, uh, and of course, Kenny Jacket didn't think it was a pen either, but didn't really want to go too much details in it. So, yeah, that, 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 that was definitely an issue. And clearly it was a soft pen against uh, Crew the game before as well, wasn't it? But, and again, I go back to it, the, the Oxford weren't doing anything at all. And that was the, the stroke of fortune they needed to find a way back into a game they they're out of, basically. Um, and and obviously they scored from that and, and and that knocked the stuffing out of Pompey as well didn't it Pompey were never the same side again they never had that control again which brings it back to Will's point about why substitutions weren't made earlier because you can see that the, the sides have dropped away Oxford looked more likely to score the next goal McGilvery did that save didn't he pushing the ball around the, the post um, from from the angle so suddenly it looked like Pompey could lose it but I suppose in the last few few minutes uh, they did finish quite strongly, Pompey. But again, should they make the substitutions earlier? Once it was one all, because at that point, Oxford was suddenly in control. Well, formations has obviously been a big part of, of Pompey's resurgence um, in recent weeks. Uh, we've got Aaron Newland. He's turned around and said, "I'm starting to believe in Jacket as long as he sticks to a four four two. Is this a long term project for Jacket, or is he always going to?" F- Depends on their opposition. It's also, I think, I think you're not going to be rigid with it. Jacket's probably has been rigid with formations before in previous seasons, but I think now maybe he's been a little bit more flexible. The only thing for me is against Crew and against um, Oxford, I don't think Marquez has been at his best, and I do wonder whether he's better with a playing with a partner who maybe just floats around a little bit rather than. Harrison and Marcus is more of a traditional 4-4-2, both playing alongside each other. When you've got Williams or Harness in them, they naturally float and they switch positions and uh, and maybe that opens a few more holes for Marcus and creates a few more chances. That's the only the only thing I will say that's been a little bit of a negative because Marquez he's been on fire, hasn't he? And I know he's, he scores a penalty at, uh, at Plymouth, but that's the, and I know he scores against Crew as well. Um did he score a pen at Plymouth? I can't remember now. I think I'm getting my games mixed up. But I know he obviously scores a crew. Yeah. He scores a crew, didn't he? And um, the header. And that but he largely didn't do a lot otherwise in that game. So for me, I think when Williams is fit again, either him or Harness can go back into that. Because it's never a 4-4-2 for me. It's more of a 4-4-1-1, I think we've, we've agreed on. And I think that's where Pompey look best. That's where they look at their attacking best when they've just got someone just playing off Marcus a little bit, someone with a bit of energy who can be busy and create those openings for them then. Neil, we were actually discussing on Monday, um, Tuesday might even have been, before the game, that trying to predict Pompey's 11. And we'd, we just all assumed that with Williams being fit, he'd be back, and either him or Harness partnering Marcus up front. So when Alice Harrison was, was announcing the starting line, I think it might have taken a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, because... Because I, I totally agree with Will. I, I like Harness up front, and, and he works better with um, with Marcus. We've never seen Marcus and Harrison that much together, have we? 
and it never really clicked. No. But we've seen harness with, with, with Marquez, and it works. So with Williams now, you'd assume Williams goes back to the right midfield, allows harness up front, um, but it, it wasn't quite the case. So uh, I mean, it's, it's, we're not going to see it again this weekend. You, you would hope, please, please, Kenny Jacket, rotate the team. We don't want any injuries. You know, it's the FA Cup. I know people go crazy if, if Pompey get eliminated or whatever. But even then, this, this squad should still be strong enough to get through. Just rest people. Rotate it. Give people a, a breather. Um, but hopefully the next game, Blackpool away on Tuesday, we'll see Williams restored on the, on the right because Harness has worked really well up front with, with Marquis. And, uh, and Marquis... What does Marcus give you outside the box? Not a lot. He needs people to help him, create opportunities for him. And uh, and Harness has done that this season. And don't get me wrong, Marcus has to start. He's the league's top scorer. He should start every game. But he yeah. needs the right part. He needs the right partner. Um, and Harrison and him, again, they've not played that much. But when they have, it's not really clicked, has it? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, well, can you shed any light on why there was a bit of a melee at the final whistle? People were <coughs> up to all sorts. Not Bless you, no, I mean, you, you wake away me. and all of a sudden you just see this, this big Barney going on, don't you? And it erupted. It must have been from, I don't know, something said. Because naturally the game, it got spiky as it went on. And, and that was always going to happen, I think, because... I know they haven't got a big rivalry, Pompey and Oxford, but just the nature of playing each other in the in the playoffs a couple of months ago, tight games, both sides not not achieving their ambitions of going up. It was always going to have that little bit of needle in it, and then as the game wore on, it got a little bit, it got more and more, and then Matty Taylor when he came on, he looked like he was busy looking for a fight all the time, and then Ragged cynically brings him down late on when when. Um, and Oxford break and then I think Taylor went and got himself booked so I don't know who started it what started it but um, it quickly erupted both teams are going to get charged and fined as, as Neil spoke to Kenny Jackett about and then obviously we have the aftermath of the uh, the Ronan Curtis and Matty Taylor pictures that have emerged after it which I mean why on earth for me why on earth would you do that to someone like if you're really aggregated I'll never see the point you're going to get the same ban you probably would punching him in the face or something like that and rather could have him down below why not just just if you really annoy with someone take your anger out properly rather than doing that because there's so many cameras and videos about now you're going to get caught as we see in Preston if you, if you really are angry with someone you really don't like someone maybe I sound like it was a scally scouser but do it properly if you're going to get yourself banned do it properly <laughs> Right. You've contacted the FA to see what punishment could be served, but um, you've already said that they're going to study the footage and no decision has yet been made, though. Nothing yet. No, they're still investigating it. I, 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 the, the Preston one wasn't with Daniel Fisher. I think that was dealt with quite quickly, so we'll keep an eye out on that. Hopefully someone from the FA does get back to us and we can update, uh, update Reader with the latest on that one. Okay. Um... Let's see what McGillifrey Neil you mentioned him earlier. After that Plymouth um Howler, which cost us three points at home park, he's he's actually come back and and, and stood up to the challenge well, hasn't he? Both a crew yeah, and against yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose that that's the thing. I say it, it cost Pompey uh, two points, didn't it? Because obviously 
they've still got a point. So uh, at, at Plymouth, but yeah, McGill has been the excellent player for Pom, isn't he? He really has, and it's always about mental strength of a player, isn't it? How they respond to that that situation, particularly a goalkeeper, and he responded superbly. He pulled off two top saves, didn't he, on on Tuesday night? Didn't have a lot to do, but um, you know, for me, he's Pom undisputed number one. Um, he's been an excellent recruit on a free transfer from Shrewsbury, wasn't he? Uh, now, more than a hundred games as well, and um, the, 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 the goalkeeper thing's never been an issue for Pompey, has it? Whether it's him or Bass, that's not been the problem. It's been further upfield, um, but uh, say so he's solid, he's reliable, and it is staggering to think that he's only the fifth goalkeeper in the last thirty-eight years to make a hundred appearances for Pompey. It really is, and obviously that's a lot of that's to do with Alan Knight, isn't it? The amount of games he played as well. But um, but yeah, he's in fine company, and um, he's aware of the stat, and he couldn't believe it himself. He was quite chuffed, really. I think you, you, you forget that a lot of players are very proud of the, the amount of games they play, and um, and he in particular was really chuffed to, to make a hundred appearances for Pompey. It meant a lot because he's gone through it, hasn't he? You know, number one to being dropped out of the blue. And um, not really told why, other than a good feeling. And then he's come back this season as well, hasn't he? And uh, and he's number one again. And um, he's a likable lad, Craig. And he's been a really, really good signing for Pompey. Okay. Well, before we discuss um, the ramifications of the government's announcement that um, fans could be due back, will be due back once lockdown, um, we come out of lockdown next week. Just let's go to a couple of questions um, from our Facebook um, readers. Um, readers, followers, um, two that stand out re- regarding the January transfer window, and um, we all are we're already thinking along those lines, even though we're only a couple of weeks after the last one closed. But let's say, um, Aaron Newland, do you think we still need to strengthen in January? And if yes, and, and if yes, which areas? Well, what areas do you reckon probably need to strengthen in? Yeah, of course, you always need to strengthen in every given window. It's an opportunity, isn't it, to get better players than you've already got in. Looking at the bench on Tuesday night, I know Michael Jacobs was out, but there could be a case that when you've got Paul Down and then James Bolton out of the squads, and you've obviously got Brim Morris Ben close, there could be a, a case that maybe just get another a, a extra attack and play it in. Obviously, it's salary cap releases or whatever, but maybe Pompey could argue are a body light in the attacking areas. Um, then you're looking at midfield again. Have Pompey got anyone to replicate what Andy Cannon could do? Who's become so instrumental in this team now? No, Brim Morris obviously come on late against um, against Oxford after starting the season, but he's fallen out of favour. Ben Close is, is well out of favour now, isn't he? I mean, he's one who probably wouldn't be surprised who would be banging on the door for maybe a low move away in January because he's just not got a look in whatsoever has he um, that's he never going to happen though is it it's that's not going to happen no but you wouldn't be surprised if, if he did want want to get away because he needs to kick start his career again hasn't he he's just stagnated completely um, so I think those two positions is obviously be key and then you've got to look at what injuries you might have you don't know what's there's a lot of footballs we play someone might get a long term injury they might need replacing you don't know what's going to happen with Rasmus, do you? Nikolai, so you don't know if he's still out of the frame, whether he might get recalls from back to Denmark. Same with Campring. But at the moment, I'd say you'd be looking at another central midfield with energy. You can It's a little bit similar to Cannon in a four four two, And then for me, probably an extra an extra forward player. Because in all that Kenny Jack has said in previous windows, you can never have enough forward players. But it's going to depend on who can leave now with the, with the salary cap and 22-man squads and... 
and um, uh, yeah, how, how many you want because can you afford to to get players in, especially if it depends on fans etc and revenues. Can you afford to get players in and say to to Paul Down or Jade Bolton, right? You're not in the squad now. We, we, you know what I mean. We're not we're not including the salary cap anymore, but you still got to pay the wages. So I don't know how that one works. It's it's just a funny old season, isn't it? Neil, do you reckon Kenny Jackett's already made his mind up about Jordy Hawilla? There's he's not getting that much game time. Is it is it has he made his mind up or is are Pommy still waiting for his fitness to to improve? Yeah, it's it's an interesting point because he'd not played for a year. And I know when he arrived at the club, some people were saying, throw him straight in at Sunderland. And it's just nonsense because this is a player who hadn't played at that stage for 11 months. He'd not played a game. Not played the pre-season friendly. Nothing. So that you can't throw a, a powerful, pacey player into a first-team environment of a match 11, games, sorry, 11 months without a game because they'll get injured. So he needs time to build up. And the club have actually been... They've said all along, oh, he's looking good in training, that it won't be a problem, it won't be an issue. But you do wonder if that's the case, because the other day, he could have made his first start in the league for 12 months, a year. So it's been that long, isn't it, really? So he needs time. But going back to Will's point, Pompey at the moment, the squad is 22 players. They're full up. Hawula was number 22. So... They need a players to leave if they're going to recruit. So Hawula might well go if they're going to bring a striker in. Um, uh, Bolton and Downing, yet again, surplus requirements, clearly. They need they need one of those out if they're going to bring anyone in. Uh, Hackett Fairchild's in that squad list. So mm. what do they do with him? Do they, do they take him off the list or keep him around just in case they need him for an emergency uh, callback? So at the moment... They're 22, they're full up. It might be a case where Wooler might have to leave to create space. And let's not forget, next year, potentially, squad numbers could be reduced to 20. Because that's that's what's yeah. meant to happen with the salary cap and everything that goes with it. So, and then, I think, I think the year after, it's 18 or whatever. So, it gets more and more ridiculous, doesn't it, with this, the salary cap procedure. But uh, as it stands, they, they can't recruit anyone in the squad unless someone leaves. Well, a question from Ian Thompson. Um, he's asked, is there, a th- is there a threat that Pompey could, some of Pompey's players could be offered um, deals elsewhere um, just simply because they know they might be, be able to get better money elsewhere in January? Is there is there that risk? Or all clubs are in the same boat, aren't they really? like They don't really have the money to splash, especially at League 1, League 2 level. Yeah, well, if you look at players' efforts, Roland Curtis, etc., Marcus Harness, they're under contract, doesn't matter. Pompey can bat away any interest in them quite comfortably. They have done in January's before, and when they're going for promotion, I don't see the reason that changing. I suppose you're looking at players who are out of contract, the likes of Tom Naylor, Jack Watmore, Andy Cannon, etc. Um, some of them will get into it. Tom Naylor could go to the championship and get into a championship squad, probably bottom six championship squad. Same with Cannon, probably he's proved himself. And earn the money, source of money they're on now. Do they want to? Do they want to go and not play football? Well, this is the, the big question. It's it's a lot of easy. But then, do they want to take a pay cut and be on what fifteen hundred quid or I don't know what it, it's going to be next season? 
it's it, it's definitely an interesting one. But in terms of players who were the likes of Roland Kurtz, etc., they're on the divisional average for now. Kurtz signed new contracts not long ago, so he's in the divisional average for another two years or whatever. That's fine. Harness, fine. Other prize assets, fine. In terms of January clubs coming to poach them, I don't know, Neil, are, are clubs allowed to start? I know you can start speaking to clubs abroad, can't you, from January or something? But All right, well, well, what about the likes of Jack Watmore? Say, say a championship club came in for Jack Watmore in January and offered, say, Pompey a million pounds. Not that they would offer a million pounds, like, but is there a chance a player like Jack Watmore might go, well, so if I could go to the championship here, I'm not gonna. I'm not guaranteed to get big money from staying in League One and Pompey next season. Is there that threat there that somebody as good as Jack Watmore, he's proven his worth already this season, could be tempted to go elsewhere? Uh, Neil, I know you know Jack well, but you know. But you're talking. Down, <coughs> yeah, you talk. You, but, but you're talking very hypothetically. You know that is there a chance somebody's going to put ten million pounds into Jack Watmore? Yes, but it's not going to happen. So it's difficult in that respect. Um, but again, I think we'll touch upon it. Why would the players want to leave now? Because Pompey could get in the championship. They could get their pay rises for new deals. So for Tom Naylor and Jack Watmore, integral members of this side, as is Craig McGilvery, another one out of contract. What do they think? Do they think, right, do we wait until we see what happens with the season? If we get promoted, we'll get a new deal, won't we? Uh, especially if they're settled here as well. Jack's obviously settled. <coughs> Craig McGilvery's settled in the area has a fiance as well um, Tom Naylor settled in the area but his family's up north so I don't know that, that situation but uh, they are settled but I know it's very well you, you just say okay get, get probably promoted the players can stay it's not as easy as that isn't it but uh, but that <clears throat> that's the, the outcome which could benefit all parties because at the moment it's not the players fault it's not the club's fault because Clubs can't the, the club can't afford to offer them what they're on anymore, and the players rightly aren't keen on a fifty percent pay cut potentially. Why? Why should they? Especially when they're star players. So everyone's going to wait till towards the end of the season. I don't think anyone's going to be panicking and leaving in January with Pompey still in the chance of promotion. Just wait to the end of the season, and also players will have more options to move in the, in the, in a close season as well, won't they? So. I think, I think that that's going to be happening. And I know that in the past, probably have lost players on, as free agents in the summer. It's different this time around, isn't it? Um, and I don't think it's quite a player's market anymore, is it? Because all players are going to have to have reductions, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. Um, just a comment from Glenn McGuinness. Can't afford to lose Cannon, Naylor, what more crucial players, in his opinion? Okay. Um, big news stem from the government this week about fans' return we don't know the tier system if you're listening to us later on on Thursday we will know the tier system but at the moment we don't Um, there's a good saying Will that some fans will be back at Fratton Park and possibly against Peterborough on the 5th of December good news all round it is it looks like we might go into tier 2 doesn't it in Portsmouth um, so that'd be two thousand fans, and I was speaking to Sean Raggett after the Oxford game, and saying, "What's it? What's it going to be like with fans?" He said, "You know what? We've got used to to um, to playing without it now because players obviously found it difficult at first not having fans." But I was saying, "How are you going to get back used to it?" Then he said, "Well, we're just looking forward to it now. I think two thousand fans. It'll it'll still make a difference. I know it will be strange on TV seeing fans scattered around Fratton Park because 
you know, we're used to seeing that at different at various League One clubs, aren't we? You see the highlights on the telly, but not a, not a flat, and it's normally it's normally chock a block, isn't it? But yeah, it is definitely good news, and obviously Pompey have got to work away now to to facilitate those fans. But the question is, will Pompey gain any revenue from this? Oh, yeah, you you want me to answer that there, do you? I don't know. What, what do you think, Neil? Do you think do you, do you think that do you think that Pompey will be able to make with ears about how much they've been hemorrhaging? Do you think that Pompey will be able to make any money out of this now with two thousand fans? No. Well, the problem is that they're still. I mean, they were looking at losses if they had a thousand fans in, and, and you'd imagine that still be the case two thousand because the game still needs to be stewarded, doesn't it? Um, hmm. And uh, and the ground opened up. They'll use all four stands, but we need fans back. For me, the, the most telling point was when Ronnie Curtis got his second goal against Crew the other day. He didn't celebrate. He just walked off, looked at the goalie who was upset, barged into him. That was it. There was no celebration. And this is Ronnie Curtis, heart on the sleeve, goes crazy, winds up the opposition. You know, he scored his second goal. He didn't celebrate, and you see that in the Premier League now as well. No one celebrates, do they? It's just, it's just routine training ground goal. We, uh, that's it, nothing, nothing. And we miss that. We miss emotion when people celebrate. You know, we, we, we need that back in the game. We need the people back because it's just the intensity is gone. It really has. Um, obviously, it's interesting hearing managers on the sidelines shouting things all the time and, and players' voices and things. But the intensity of matches is gone. It, we need that back. We need fans back. Because if you haven't got players celebrating goals, especially players like Ronan Curtis, that's awful. That is really, really awful. So we need them back to lift us all and just slowly get back to normal, hopefully. Even if it's 2,000, that would add something. And then again, you've got the whole debate there about those 2,000 not supposed to be allowed to sing, are they? And they're not, not allowed to supposed to shout, are they? So... We'll see how that's enforced. I don't know how it can be, really. But um, but we need something back because uh, it's just without soul at the moment, football for me, football matches. OK, good stuff. OK, let's see. We'll, we'll just go to one more final question before we wrap up. Um, time is running against us here, but um, it's another one from Aaron Newland. It's a hypothetical one, Neil, but you've been... You wrote it's a story busy, today. Mark Catlin is it not working? I know, he must... He mustn't be working today. <laughs> but you brought up the subject of Mark Cameron this week about it... Kenny Jackett's about Kenny Jackett's contract. So he's asked if Jackett wins the final against Salford, gets to the final again and wins that plus gets promotion, should he be given a new contract? <laughs> wow. And it's wow. his birthday, by the way, he's on a day off. Happy birthday, Adam. <laughs> Oh, happy birthday, yeah. Um, I can't believe he's waiting a day off on this. Dear me. <laughs> Go for a walk. Uh, um, wow, what a question. It's a strange situation. Would he want to stay? Let's turn it on his head. Would Kenny Jackett want to stay after some of the abuse? And I know the vast majority of fans um, have been uh, fair in their, their comments. They, they want him dismissed, okay. But I've seen some awful, awful things written about Kenny Jacket, wishing he had coronavirus and all sorts. Just vile, vile things. Um, Seem it wouldn't bother. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. It wouldn't bother Kenny Jacket, but would he want to stay if he knows the majority of fans are against him? 
um, it affected Paul Cook and whether he wanted to stay or not. So, you know, but Kenny's a different beast, obviously. But, uh, well, we'll have to wait and see, aren't we? I mean, you know, nobody was criticising Pompey after Crewe and his substitutions, but people were criticising his substitutions after Oxford. It's how it goes. It's game by game with Kenny Jacket, isn't it? Uh, will he ever get all the fans back? It's going to be difficult, isn't it? But we'll have to wait and see. It's, it's a it's a fascinating scenario, isn't it? Because um, how does a manager try and recruit players permanently in January when he hasn't got a contract beyond the end of the season himself? It's and the prize well, is the effect that they gave him a new they gave him a new deal within four months of being uh, of him being here, didn't they? Because it was on a promise that they would when they took over, um, and now his deal's going to run out in the summer. So. Everything's up in the air. There's a certainly lack of stability there from a club which prides itself on stability. Well, you can understand the club's perspective. Um, they want to see where they are going to be at the end of the season. But do you think it aches away at the current setup, or is it just something that is running in the background and the players don't care about? Jacket doesn't care about. Are we making a big song and dance over something that nobody really cares about at this moment in time? Yeah, let's say the players probably. By what they've read, they probably they wouldn't have even been aware. I don't think when his his contract would have expired. Otherwise, if it wasn't in the um, in the public domain, to be honest with you, it's it's just it's a talking point, isn't it? Because Kenny Jacket has distracted, and people want to know what's going to happen. It come June time, people want to know what whether he's going to be. But as Neil said, he, he needs to. We need to know what division Pompey are going to be in. If he doesn't get Pompey up this season, let's face it, it's four years he's had. He's had to go at it. Right off the first year. He overachieved in the first year, I think, myself. Um, because he finished eighth after coming up from, from League One. He didn't have a lot of time to, to get his recruitment right, etc. So he's had three years, three seasons. If he doesn't, then if he didn't get a new contract, I don't think Jack would grumble. I think he, he understands the nature of the beast that is management. He knows that he's going to get sacked at times. He knows he's going to get criticism. He knows that... <laughs> He might be a couple of losses away. I think. I think he's been in the game long enough to understand what it's like. Um, and as uh, would he want to stay on as manager? Well, he's that ambitious, isn't he, Jacket? For for people talk about his mannerisms, the touchline, or his uh, his lack of his lack of passion on the touchline. But he is ambitious, and he wants to go as far as possible. And are you going to be able to do that if you go to a club where? There isn't the same demands, probably not. So, I think he he would want to stay at Pompey. I, I don't think that he's obviously he'd know that he's not uh, loved by all sections of fans. He know he would have had some of the abuse, but I think that that wouldn't even even bother him. Also, just a uh, comment from Lewis Mason there. Get back to your work, please. I'm sure you've got plenty of uh, other stuff that you could be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, whenever Lewis Mason gets in contact, we know it's time to wrap up. So, on that note, thank you, Lewis, for prompting us. Um, we will wrap up. And thank you, guys, for your contributions today. Um, we'll be back next week. So, we look forward to uh, Mark, seeing you all Mark, again. Mark, Mark, can I just say, Jack Watmore wants his shirt back? Jack Watmore, yes. Neil had never heard of Jack Wills before today. So, no. he's, he's been educated on fashion. Not that I am fashionable, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'll send that in the post. But thank you, lads, and we look forward to seeing it all again next week. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website from less than £1 a week for everything you need to know about Pompey.